and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. How many would agree with me this morning that we live in a stress-filled time? I don't need to tell you that. I think all of you would agree with me on that. Living in this day and age, as most of us do, unless uh, you had a wealthy uncle or auntie, must, most of you live from paycheck to paycheck. That's just reality. Most of you have a two-household income, or did when you were working, if you're not re retired. Uh, most of you have had to sacrifice. That's just the way it is, especially here in the United States, especially here in California, especially where we live. That's why we see a lot of people leaving California. How many know somebody that has left the state of California to go somewhere else? Every single one of us have known, even family members, that have left to places like Texas, Oregon, Montana, I mean, you name it. They're going everywhere here in this country because it's so expensive here. Now, in that process, what causes people, I think, a lot of times to leave is they don't have the financial margin. There's no breathing room. So it's causing people to move outside of where they normally or typically would want to be at. Amen? So one thing at the outset I want to let you know, very rarely do I ever preach on money here in the church. Because I want to remind you, God doesn't need your money, number one. Number two, we don't take an offering basket up here and collect you, force you to give. It's sitting on that back connection table. The Lord prompts you to give and give faithfully. It's there. Amen? And that's the way Pastor Rick does it. Nobody told me to do it that way. That's the way I want to do it in this church. Amen? I want to have people that give because they want to give. I will never preach to you that this is what you got to do. Amen? How, how many know that there's churches like that that beat people up over that? So I, I want to get that out of the way. Now getting back to margin, I want to talk to you about financial margin, but how many remember two weeks ago I described what margin is? It's that space between our load and our limits. Between our load and our limit of what we can handle. That's called margin. And for some of you, you have margin. Others, you're barely hanging on. How many remember that poster with a cat holding on to like a pull-up bar, right? And you're just hanging on for dear life. Sometimes that describes our life. Sometimes that's Monday morning, right? If you have kids, you're going to work. You're just barely hanging on. You're going, Lord... I hope it gets better. I hope the rest of this day gets better. Right? And sometimes we, we find ourselves with barely to little to no margin at all. Now, margin, not only is it the space between our load and limits, it's the amount available beyond what is necessary. Beyond what is necessary. We all need, we need certain things that are necessary in our life every single day. Now, do we need a uh, coach handbag? Do I need a Michael Poor's? You know, and I can go on and on and on. Do I need the latest? Yes, we do, so, said someone in here, right? Do we need the latest ping golf clubs? Do whatever the latest brand is. The, that nice driver that costs $400. You know, there, there's things that exist like that, right? Do we need them? Probably not. Now, if we can afford them, great. Knock yourself out. But if you're struggling to have that financial margin in your life, don't go there. Don't go there and get yourself into trouble. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Amen? Again, margin 
is also the gap between rest and exhaustion. How many have ever felt exhausted? To where you're, you're saying, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. We've all said that. We've all been there. That's our jobs, our careers. It's our, it's our home life. And even young people nowadays, unfortunately, feel those stresses. The stresses that young people now feel in school are unlike any stresses you and I had to endure as children, you know, just a few years ago. Uh, when we went to school, amen, there's, there's uh, stresses and forces out there, there's social media, there's, there's things that beat up on kids every day that you and I didn't have to face. And unfortunately, they as young people are feeling that exhaustion, that mental stress, and, and it's not easy to deal with. How many would agree with me on that? Now, the space, or margin, is that space between breathing freely, everybody go like this, take a deep breath, and, ex and exhale. Doesn't that feel good? Let's do it again. That felt so good. And so, when you, when you do that, you're breathing freely. How many have ever been, actually, seriously, in a place where they were drowning? Anybody ever been in a place where you were drowning? Or, uh, I know my brother has, because I've been there like five or six times. Man has more lives than a cat. But... <laughs> But here's the thing, when you're suffocating, you are desperate. You become so desperate for just a, a gasp of air. But unfortunately, life does that. You can be at the point in your life where you're gasping for air. You're trying to breathe and you have no margin. And, and if, if you're not careful, life will take you down that path because of choices that you make. You and I will make choices in our life that will take us to a point where we can't breathe. And that's not healthy for you. I'm here to tell you, it's not healthy. And that was not God's design for any of you, including myself. Amen? Now, what, am I, what do I mean by financial margin, which is what I want to talk to you about today? It's having money at the end of the month. How many know that's reality right there, right? It's struggling to have money at the end of the month. Why is that a reality? Because we live paycheck to paycheck. Some of you, if you were to lose your job today, you would be in serious trouble of paying your mortgage next month, of paying your rent, of paying your bills, of paying just the PG&E bill. Some of you would be in serious, serious trouble. Now that tells you, and I, that you have no financial margin. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, why is that important? Because God designed each of your lives to be a blessing to others. Now, you can't be a blessing to others unless you have margin in your life. Now, if I wanted to take out somebody to lunch and dinner, and if I didn't have financial margin, I could never do that. If I wanted to, if I heard somebody was hurting and I wanted to bless them with a gift, and I didn't have financial margin, I couldn't do that. God expects you and I to be servants, number one, and to be a blessing to others around us that he puts in our life. Every one of you here, and I've mentioned this over and over, are a blessing to Foothill Christian American Canyon. Of your time, your talents, and your treasures, you're consistently giving of yourself. I brag about you guys everywhere I go when I preach at other churches like our Napa Church. I brag about you every single time. You should, you should meet these people. I tell, I'll tell them by name who you are, and I brag about you. Our church is great in that aspect. But today I want to just remind you of why we must have financial margin. 
If you're just, if you'll stay with me uh, just for a quick minute here, I want to read our sermon text found in Proverbs chapter 21, chapter 21 and verse 20. There's one verse I want to read, and I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation, so it might read a little bit differently than yours, but it says the following, there are riches and oil of great worth in the house of the wise, but a foolish man swallows them up. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray now, Lord, that you would give us uh, enlightenment to understand your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us through this word this morning that we might have a better understanding of how to manage financial margin in our life. Father, I pray this morning, give us direction, give us guidance. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Everybody say this word, sufficiency. Sufficiency. That means enough, left over. There's sufficiency in the house of the wise. In the house of the wise. Again, I've mentioned here before, the book of Proverbs deals with this uh, topic of wisdom, particularly these first few chapters. Um, talk about wisdom. Wisdom. How many pray that every day? You seek wisdom. You, if you're not praying that, you should be. Because I'll tell you what, if there's anything we need, it's not more money, although that helps. It's not a, a, a prettier vehicle. It's not a bigger house. It's wisdom. Because if you have wisdom, God will bless you with things, right? God will bless you on how to manage your finances so that you can have those things. It starts with wisdom. Amen. There are riches in the house of the wise. Now, notice it doesn't say this. Notice it doesn't say there's riches in the house of the wealthy person. It doesn't say there's riches in the house of the one that has a real big 401k. It doesn't say there's riches if you work for a high-tech uh, uh, company, a Silicon Valley company. It doesn't say any of that. It says there's riches in the house of the wise. In the house of the wise. Say that with me. The house of the wise. And that's what I want you to get this morning. Each one of you need to have a house filled with wisdom. Amen? And what is the contrary aspect of, of having a house built on wisdom? It says a foolish man swallows up those, those, uh, those riches. They go through them. Maybe that was you in the past. Maybe, maybe you inherited something and, and you look back and foolishly you went through a large sum of money possibly. Or know some people that have gone through an experience like that where they were given something and foolishly they squandered it. We think of the prodigal son in the New Testament, the story, the parable, how he asked his dad for his inheritance before his dad even passed away, the Bible says. Most of us, we have the common courtesy and wisdom to know that when our loved ones pass away, there will be an inheritance. Well, this foolish young man said, no, I want mine now, right? Sound familiar? That's our new young generation. They want everything now. They want everything now. They don't realize it took you and I, and I'm getting ahead of myself, years of hard work to get where we're at today. Amen? Well, this man wanted everything now, and the Bible says he went and squandered his wealth. The, the, the father gave him what he asked. He said, okay, now here it is. And, and of course, the father was just thinking, oh, son, you have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea, and sure enough, the son went and squandered it and found himself in a place 
uh, that he never should have been. But that's a whole nother story. Now, what I want to talk to you about again is, is have a house of wisdom, how to manage your household, right? And uh, I want to share with you as, as well this uh, aspect that many of you have been into homes, beautiful homes. I mean, I, I, how many have seen beautiful homes, right? Where you're just blown away. You're amazed by the beauty. How could anybody build this? I mean, who built it? And, 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 and it's 6,000 square feet and you've got seven bathrooms and, and on and on and on. And we've seen beautiful homes like that. We've been possibly into homes like that. But how many know that appearances sometimes can be deceiving? That what you see on the outside isn't always the truth, isn't always what's, what's going on, right? That people do set, uh, foolish things in order to have things that make them appear to look like they have everything, right? And, and what I'm talking about are families that sacrifice and ring cr uh, credit and debt up to have the appearance of being rich. And I want to share with you a real quick story that I found online. This is a true story. It's about a successful software engineer in the suburbs of Minnesota. Travis Peisel never had an income problem. Together, he and his wife, Bonnie, pulled in a cool six figures e each year. More than enough to provide for their two children and still take the occasional weekend getaway. And if they couldn't afford something when they wanted it, Travis knew exactly where to turn. As tales of debt often do, his began with one credit card. Everybody say one credit card. One. And then three. And so on. It's, it's a terrible, terrible path of destruction. A few years into his marriage, Travis had 13 open lines of credit. And was officially hiding the bills from his wife each month. Uh-oh, exactly. Uh-oh is right. Yeah, I just stopped talking about how much debt we were in, Travis said. Everyone else would go to bed at night, and I would be trying to figure out how to move credit balances around, get new credit cards, whatever it took to keep our finances going. Within a decade, within 10 years, he had amassed $109,000 worth of debt. This is a true story, okay? I'm not making this up. A tumbling house of cards is what he was building right there. A house built on cards. It was the summer of 2009 when Paisel hit rock bottom. His bank, Chase, announced a higher minimum payment requirement and he was suddenly staring down the prospect of hundreds of dollars more in payments each month. And it was money they didn't have. His house of cards was on the brink of collapse. Marriage is built on trust, and I didn't do a good job on that, Travis said. My wife and I had a frank discussion on how we got there, and when it was all over, we started looking for solutions. Determined to avoid filing bankruptcy, he felt responsible for the debt he had racked up. And so the couple hit the web, they searched for alternative options, and they decided to enroll with a debt management company. We've all heard of debt management companies online. When Travis found a debt management company, he was dubious at best, he was skeptical. The entire concept of paying a company to manage debt was foreign to him. Debt management companies aren't exactly the golden parachute their name implies. 
They negotiate a low interest payment plan with lenders on the consumer's behalf. In return, the consumer agrees to pay off their debts within a certain window of time, typically three to five years. And the company disperses a monthly payment across all proper channels. The fees for doing so are typically around $20 a month, but this family paid $50 for their service. $50 a month to, to pay their bills off. After several long conversations with company representatives, the family signed up for 57 monthly payments of $2,489 each month. This is just credit card debt, okay? There was also a catch. Once enrolled in the service, all of their credit counts were frozen. They could not get more credit. They could not apply for another credit card. They could not ask for a, a credit increase. That was a big commitment to say we weren't going to use credit cards anymore, Travis said. Even when we were enrolled in the program, we had no idea what kind of lifestyle changes we would have to make to make it work. Living within their means, plastic-free life. Everybody say that with me. Plastic-free life. That's a foreign concept to many of us right there. Plastic-free life was a gradual adjustment. They made all the usual cuts like cable, landline phones, fancy dinners, but it took a year before they started to hit where it really hurt. For the first year, we still had a 500-gallon hot tub sitting in our backyard, he said. You start thinking, what are we doing here? They almost entirely halted their con contributions to retirement savings, and the weekend getaways ended. See, they were living above their means. They were getting away every weekend. They got used to $1 movie rentals. What's wrong with $1 movie rentals? And family nights and made extra cash from garage sales. Imagine that. Christmas lists were trimmed to three presents per child. Who knows what it was before? That's a, I won't even go there. Little by little, they made headway. Four years into the program, they had paid down $82,000 of their $109,000 debt. And they had 13 payments left before they're debt-free. Travis says, it's exciting to see the end of that tunnel. I just wish I would have figured it out earlier, he said. It's a lot less stressful to have a partner and not trying to shoulder that all by yourself. How many would agree with that? Amen. Now, that's a true story. And there's many stories out there like that. Hopefully, you're not relating to that today. But if you are, this message is truly for you today. Financial margin is what this family didn't have. And they couldn't be a blessing to other people if they had wanted to without plastic, without charging more and more and more. So getting back to the message here, when, when we, three years ago, we purchased our home in Vallejo and God gave us that home. Now we still had margin at the end of the month. Uh, I, I refuse to commit to a house that leaves us with no margin. We have to have margin, amen? In other words, we, we wanted to be a blessing at the end of the month. It's not by accident that my wife's car has 186,000 miles and my car has 185,000 miles. It's not by accident. We don't want a car payment, that's why. Now, there's nothing wrong with car payments, don't get me wrong, but for us in our household, we wanted financial margin. Now, that day is coming real soon because that's 360 plus 370,000 miles combined that our cars are gonna go out and we need to replace them. And then when that time comes, we will deal with that. 
But as for now, it feels great not to have a car payment. Woohoo! Amen. Don't be jealous. Okay. So we're living with margin by not having that car payment. Amen. Now, when a family has margin at the end of the month, that's a rich family. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Your, your riches aren't found in what's in your bank account. It's not found by the car you drive or the home you live in. It's found by what's in your family. What do you have as far as margin? Are you spending time with your family? Are you able to have money left over at the end of the month? For many of us, that's a, that's a very hard thing to do. I want to read another scripture found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Listen to these verses here. Starting in uh, verse 1. It's, uh, I don't know if we have that. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, But godliness with contentment, starting in verse 6, I'm sorry. 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Now listen to this, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all evil, all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now there's a whole lot of meat right there. Um, how many have heard people say the love of, of money is the root of all, or excuse, excuse me, not, not that way. Uh, how, how do I hear it often said? For uh, money is the root of all evil, is how people will often say it. Money is not evil. Okay, let's get that straight. Money is a blessing to you and I. Without it, we wouldn't be able to survive. That's just the clear-cut answer. It says here, the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. We all know people, maybe that was us in the past where we had such a love for money. We were so greedy is really what that word is saying. We were so greedy that all we saw was dollar signs in our eyes. How many know people like that, right? We all know people like that. And unfortunately, that will bring grief and sorrow into your life. It's the opposite of a blessing. Amen. Debt, financial stress, unhappy relationships. I, I mentioned to you, the number one issue with, with marriages isn't that he doesn't love me, she doesn't love me. Isn't that he doesn't cook breakfast for me, she doesn't cook breakfast for me. It's not any of that. It's money. It's financial pressures. That's the number one reason why marriages start to have problems. And we can see why. All of us have, have been faced with, with a bill or two that comes up out of nowhere, right? And, 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 and we have to, together as a spouse, as a couple... Uh, figure it out but but financial pressure leads to stress and unhappy relationships and when you don't have no margin that just multiplies and multiplies and it complicates your life you become worried about money how to pay it off what who you're going to have to sell your firstborn or your lastborn you know those things that you shouldn't even have to think about become part of what controls your mind Marginless living versus wise living. Going back to our sermon text. Wise living. Wise living. And then your home will be filled with riches. If you're wise, if you're living wisely. Amen? When you don't have margin, financial margin, 
there's stress everywhere you turn. You go here, you go there, you go here, and what happens? It complicates your relationship with everybody because you're just consumed by, by, the, by the issue at hand. In the process, as a couple, we may not be living happily ever after. And that's the truth. When young people that are single here today, the goal is to live happily ever after. But when you have no margin, it's tough to live happily ever after. Amen? How many know what I'm talking about? God wants you to live happily ever after. Now, what I want to, what I want to share this morning is our culture's definition of happiness. It's more than I currently have. That's their definition. How, how do you be happy in this world? Well, get more than what you have. How many have said this? Well, if I, if I only had a bigger house, right? Don't lie. Come on, you've all said that. I've said that. If I only had a new truck. If I only got paid more. If I only had a better boss. If, you know, on and on and on. And what is, what is it that you're doing? It's get, 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 get. Get this, get that, get this, get that, get this, get that. Does that make you happy? And when you finally get it, do all your problems go away? No, no. In fact, if, if you all got a $100,000 raise annually, you made $100,000 more, it would not eliminate your problems. It may make some issues a little bit easier, but if you don't learn how to create financial margin in your life, it doesn't matter if you're struggling right now to pay $4,000 worth of bills a month, or $10,000 worth of bills. It's the same. You're still going to struggle unless you understand how to handle and have financial margin in your life. Our culture and society is constantly telling you, get it now. No interest payments for the next 18 months. Get it now. Low payments right now. Get it now. Beginning of the year, Labor Day sales. 0% interest on that brand new 2018 Dodge Ram truck. You can have it right now. That sounds really appealing. But do I need it? I'd like to have it, but do I need it? Everybody say that. Do I need it? That's what you got to ask yourself. Um, elbow your spouse if, if that's the spender. Whoever the spender, elbow them right now. Elbow them. And just tell them, do I need it? Remember to say that next time. So when you're shopping on QVC and HSN and whatever it is, ask your partner, ask your spouse, do I need it? Do I need it? Or do I just desire it? There's a huge difference, amen? Now, this isn't just an income problem because as I mentioned earlier, our young people now, young people, they get married, right away they get into so much debt, unfortunately. Usually right after high, uh, school, college, they graduate with debt already. They have a humongous amount of debt. They're starting their career with debt. They're settled down with debt, but they want what mom and dad have. They want what their rich cousin has. So what do they do? They get in over their heads, they open up lines of credit, and then they have no margin. And that's how they live their life for the rest of their life. No margin. That's a trap. That's what the world is telling you that will give you happiness. That doesn't give you happiness. It steals and robs the happiness from you. Amen? It's not an income problem, but a lifestyle problem. It's a lifestyle problem. People that continually have financial problems, relational problems, never give. This is one thing I've noticed. They never have given to the church. They've never given to the church of their time, their talents, or their treasures. 
That's one thing I know for sure as a pastor. In my life that I have seen, they don't ever give. Now, thank goodness for our church. I mentioned I brag about you everywhere I go. Um, there are people that struggle, and, they, and, and 30 years ago they were in financial trouble, and 30 years from now they're going to continue to be in financial trouble because they have never learned to give of their time, their talents, and their treasures. Now, Matthew 6 and verses 19 through 21 says the following. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, how many have ever seen a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul? I've said that here before. Nobody has ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You'll never take what you make, take it with you. You came into this earth naked, you'll go out the same way. It's just your body, just you. That's how we all go out. You can't take what you got here on this earth. You can't take that 401k that you're hoping to spend one day. You can't take that bank account. You can't take that home with you, that beautiful car with you. It's all going to rust away here on this earth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But here's the trip, or the, the, the trap, I should say. For many of us, we believe that more is going to make us happy. More. Well, Pastor Rick, if I only had that bigger house. Pastor Rick, if I only had that, that, that nice backyard where I could entertain, you know, the, the one with the outdoor barbecue and, you know, the whole setup and, you know, cement uh, countertops and concrete countertops and, you know, the, the stamped concrete. I mean, just, I, I got it pictured right here in my mind. Pastor Rick, if I only had that, then I'd be really happy. No, you wouldn't. When you got that, you want more and more. It's a trap. It's a trap. We have to learn. We must learn how to be content where we're at. Amen? So, okay, I hear you, Pastor Rick. So how do I create that margin? Okay, I, I realize what I got to do. Well, the simple answer to create financial mar margin is, well, obviously, it's to spend less. Well, that's, that's a no-brainer, right? We all know we have to spend less. That's a no-brainer, but I'm talking to you spiritually. What do we have to do? What do we have to do? Now, I can't control your finances. That's between you and your spouse. Uh, you just need to remind them, do we really need that, honey? Or when you're going out spending, if you're going to the mall today, elbows, do we really need that, honey? That's between you two. I hope I don't cause a war there. But what I want to talk to you about is spiritually, we must put God first in our finances. God first. If you're ever going to make a huge purchase, any large investment, seek God first. Lord, is this what you want me to do? Lord, is this how you want me to spend my, my money? Is this the house you want me to buy? Is this the business you want me to start? Is this the time to end it? Is this the time to continue with it? Whatever it may be, any big financial decision, always present it before the Lord. And the Lord will give you the wisdom to make the right choice for your family. Amen? When we put God first... And I'm not just talking about tithing or, or giving of your, of your money. I'm talking about praying for wisdom in how to spend your finances. That is so key. Many of us just go in, you know, and we see the sign on the door. See the for sale sign, the low interest, the no interest payments. And we walk in there and make spur of the moment decisions, right? I, I have a co-worker that just last week, um, I said, that's a nice Lexus you got there. You know, 
beautiful car. She goes, yeah, it was a spur of the moment thing. I'm like thinking, I wanted to say like, yikes, spur of the moment? You know, hopefully you don't make spur of the moment decisions to buy a $45,000 car. Hopefully it's a thought out process. You talked about it at home. You worked out your, the details of how much you can afford. Hopefully you just weren't driving like, oh, that's a nice car. Let's stop and take a look at it. And you walk out with a brand new car. And that's what it sounded like this person did. And they were kind of like, yeah, you know, it wasn't like what we were planning, but walked out. I know that happens, but we have to have financial margin in our life to be able to do that. Amen. Make sure you're, you're having that financial margin. So when we put God first, number one, we experience God's blessings. We experience God's blessings. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 10, and all of you have heard this scripture, these scriptures before. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will have not enough room for it. This is the only place I want to remind you in the entire Bible that you will see God saying, test me. He never says this anywhere else in the Bible. Nowhere else. And unfortunately, people that don't give up their time, talents, and treasures never take the Lord up on this challenge. They never test Him. The Bible says, test me and I will throw open the floodgates. Floodgates. When I picture floodgates, it's a dam bursting through and you can't stop it. It's just pouring through. You can't get out of the way because it's going to hit you. That's how powerful floodgates are. When they open up, the blessings will hit you and overwhelm you. Amen? How many have experienced that in their life? Overwhelming blessings. Amen? Test them in this. This is a very easy and tangible way to see God at work in your life. Test them. Test them. And then you go back and say, Lord, you said test you in this. And I got that $2,000 bill coming up at the end of the month. And now I don't see how it's going to happen. But you said test you in this, and He will provide the way. I promise you. I promise you. Because I've seen it in my life over and over and over. And this forces you to spend wisely. It forces you to spend wisely. It builds faith in God's work in your life. It builds provision and provides financial margin in your life. Amen. Number two, when we follow this, when we put God number one, we become supernaturally content. What does that mean? Let me read the scripture to you found in Proverbs 15 and verse 16. I believe we have it up here. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. I don't know about you. I don't want turmoil in my life. If, if it means that I were to inherit $2 million and I'd be filled with a life of turmoil, God, keep it. I don't want it. Give me a little and let me be content with the fear of the Lord, fear meaning respect of the Lord, love of the Lord, than to have a life filled with turmoil. How many have heard about these stories of these lotto winners, these amazing wins of millions of dollars, right? And their lives are destroyed because of money. I mean, God forbid that would happen to any of you here. You know, every, every one of you, I know, uh, desire more, right? It's just an honest human response. We all desire more to pay our bills. But have you ever wondered why God hasn't given you that? Because maybe your life's going to end up in great turmoil. Maybe He's saving you from yourself. Amen? So, so the next time you're going, Lord, I'm struggling here. Go back to the scripture we read in uh, Malachi. 
Test him in that. See if he'll open the floodgates of heaven and bless you with the things that you need. Amen. And above and beyond, the Bible says. I've mentioned this here before, but we were just a few years ago, prior to purchasing the home in Vallejo, we were in an 848 square foot home. How do I know that? Because I measured it. I really want to know how tiny this house is. So I, I used to measure a part of my job as an estimator. I used to do a lot of measuring. So I said one day, I'm going to measure this house and I'm going to come up with how many square feet it is. And it was 848. Everybody say 848. That's tiny. If you don't know what that means in square footage, it's tiny. Now, for those of you that have been to my home, which is every single one of you here today, our home is 1,800 square feet now versus 848 square feet. So it's a bit bigger, right? It's a bit bigger. But listen to this. We, I can promise you this right now, and you can ask my daughter, you can ask my wife. We were just as content in that house. I would even dare say even more in that house than we are now. I don't know why God, how God did that. When we first moved there, I thought, this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. But we were sacrificing to get a house. So we were in there for three years, I think three or four years, uh, three years. And uh, in that process, God brought us together, literally, because he squeezed us in. And our family became tighter, tighter relationally. Bianca Raquel, you agree with that? Right? They're, my test They're testifying of that right now, my witnesses. And God blessed us with what we had. So it's not that, God, I need, a, I need an 1,800 square foot home, then I'll be happy. He made us happy right where we're at. We end up with more of what matters. We, we, we became, I'm getting ahead of myself, we became supernaturally content in that home. Amen? Now, I want to I wanna read... Well, let me ask you this question before I read that scripture. Do you want to be materialistic and continue to buy on plastic and have turmoil in your life? Or would you rather be supernaturally content? That's a simple, simple question, amen? I think all of us would answer the same way. We want to be content, supernaturally content. So that leads us to the final point here of three. We end up with more of what matters. More of what matters and verse, uh, or Proverbs chapter 8, verses 18 and 19, which was our scripture verse this morning. With me are riches and honor. With me are ever, our lasting wealth and success. My fruit is better than fine gold. My gifts are better than the finest silver. With me are riches and honor. We end up more of, of what matters. We end up with more of what matters. Amen? When you put God first... When you seek Him, when you become spiritually content, we end up with more of what matters. That's what my desire is as pastor for each of your families, is that you end up with more of what matters. It's not that dream kitchen. It's not that dream bathroom or backyard or, or front yard, whatever it may be. It's that you end up with more of what truly matters. Amen? You know, again... Uh, I want to just say that one thing Anna and I have done faithfully as I close this morning. One thing we've done faithfully in 24 years of marriage is we've given of our time, of our talents and treasures. We've tied in that period. We've, we've faithfully, that was one of the things that we laid out 
as, as a couple, we said, this is what we're going to give of our income. This is, you know, 10% of our income. We're going to serve. Because God expects you and I to be servants, number one. Servants of His. And again, I brag on this church everywhere I go. You people are servants of the Most High. Amen? And you're a blessing to this church. The Bible says it's better to give than to receive. Amen? How many have, have followed that principle and lived that principle? It's better to give than to receive this morning. The blessing of giving, I want to remind you this morning, the blessing of giving is what I believe has blessed my marriage, my family, our relationships together, my relationship with my siblings, and their relationship with, with me. It's because they've learned to give. We've all been givers. And that was taught by my parents. They taught us how to be givers, how to be servants. Amen? I have a wonderful, beautiful relationship with my wife every day. And I strongly believe it's because we put God first. We put God first and we serve Him. And God has given me what matters the most. I have a wonderful wife, a wonderful relationship with her. God has blessed us for 24 years. And we're just getting started. Amen. 24 years. God has given us more of what matters as we put Him first in our life. And I'm asking you this morning, are you accomplishing, are you getting more of what matters? Or are you just getting to get? Are you getting what the world is telling you that'll make you happy, which is a life that leads to turmoil and stress and no margin? Or are you getting margin in your life? Are you getting more of what matters?